right, I wanna welcome all of you today who are joining us through our online campus. Thanks so much for being with us and being a part of this worship experience. This is the second week of a brief sermon series called Unbreakable. And more than anything else, what we're trying to do is discover the truth that we can live with an unbreakable faith in God no matter what we might face or experience in this sinful and broken world. We kicked this series off last week as Andrew talked about what it looks like to have an unbreakable faith while we live in a fragile world. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about a very special and I think unique reality of an unbreakable faith that we all need to understand and experience as we find ourselves encountering the different struggles of life. And that brings us to this text, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. So if you've got your Bibles open there, I want you to go ahead and follow along with me as I read that passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians, of course, is written by the Apostle Paul, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. You can stop right there. That's our text for today. Um, What I want to do is I want to begin by just asking you a question. What do you do when you're discouraged or troubled or you find yourself in the midst of a difficult trial in life. Where do you go for comfort? I think that's an especially relevant question to ask as we have our Bibles open to 2 Corinthians because in this letter, the Apostle Paul on multiple occasions lets us see the reality of the pain and suffering that he experienced in life. Uh, we got a brief look at that last week in that text that Andrew preached from, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Listen to the way Paul describes the often reality, I guess I should say oftentimes reality of life uh, in the first part of that text. This is just verses 7 through 9. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then he goes on to say this, This is his description of his life at times. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, let's just be completely honest with each other. That's not a very attractive description of life. Paul is basically saying that our lives in this world can be compared to jars of clay, and he says that because our lives are fragile like jars of clay, and yet God is willing to let his power, and that's what the word treasure means there in that passage we just read, God is willing to let his power live or be on display inside of us because when we face the realities of life, it will become clear that there's something more to our lives than our own strength our resilience, our unbreakable faith in the midst of difficulty points to the reality of our unbreakable God. That's just the reality of life. It can be difficult. We hang on to the comfort of knowing that God is always with us, but life can be difficult. And so there are times uh, when we, to use Paul's words, are hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down where we need comfort. And so 
That brings us to the very first thing I want to talk about related to this brief passage of Scripture. If you're someone who likes to take notes, then whatever you're using, write down a number one. And next to that number one, write down this first truth that I want to share with you from this text. Everyone needs comfort from time to time. Now, this is true for all of us. Whether you are a believer or not, everyone needs comfort from time to time. The good news, if you're a believer, is that... uh, God promises us that comfort. When we need it, God promises us that comfort. I go back to the text and I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 in the very first part of verse 4 and remind myself that it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Je- of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Let's just stop there and think about that. Paul is saying that because... God is the God of all comfort, or in other words, because comfort is a fundamental part of his essence and a fundamental part of his nature. He comforts us in all our troubles. And so what that means, if you're a believer, is that you need to make the conscious effort to develop what I'm going to call a comfort faith. If you're a believer, you need to make the conscious effort to develop a comfort faith. You know, a lot of people, when they go through difficult times, when life is trying for them, a lot of people turn to what has become known as comfort food. Uh, They turn to comfort food when they're discouraged or hurting. And there's actually some science behind comfort food. I read that this last week. I read that fatty, sugar-laden foods slow the production of certain stress hormones so we can calm down. Maybe that's the reason why every Monday following the weekend when I leave my house to come to church, I want to drive down to the CVS, go in and buy some chocolate-covered donuts to start the day with. Fatty, sugar-laden foods slow down the production of certain stress hormones so we can calm down. But there's not just science behind comfort food. There's also some psychology behind comfort food. I also read this past week that men typically turn to heartier foods. That's their comfort food. Heartier foods like meatloaf, I love meatloaf, pasta, mashed potatoes, or stew. And what was interesting is uh, the article said that they do that, we men do that because those were the foods our mothers used to make for us. The article went on to say that women, on the other hand, tend to avoid labor-intensive foods when times get tough, and they just opt for snacks. Maybe that's why Uh, When my wife is stressed out, I come home and find her with a bag of chips. I don't know. I'm not going to even go any further with that. What's your favorite comfort food? What do you you turn to when you're feeling discouraged or troubled? Uh, Well, what we really need in difficult times, in times of trouble and discouragement, is not comfort food. We need a comfort faith. A comfort faith. And a comfort faith is available to you if you continue to trust God even in the most difficult circumstances of life because you know, you believe what Paul wrote is true, that he is in fact the God of all comfort. And the Bible just reinforces this truth to us over and over again, that God is always there for us, that we can count on God even in the most difficult times. Look at these words we're going to put up on the screen from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, pay attention to this part, he who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So what's Paul saying there? What's he saying about God? He's saying if God has already given us his greatest gift, and he has, his greatest gift was Jesus, he's certainly willing to give us any other gift that he has, including the gift of comfort. Another way to think of it would, say, would be like this. If God has already given us his greatest act of grace, and that's what he did when he sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place and pay the penalty for our sin, he gave us his greatest act of grace. Remember the word grace literally means unmerited favor, what we receive that we don't deserve and we can never earn. If God has already given us his greatest act of grace in Jesus, he is certainly willing, we can count on him to be willing to give us lesser acts of grace like comfort when comfort is needed in our lives. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, in the first part of verse 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble. That's good news because this is what we're talking about. Everyone needs comfort from time to time. Look back there in your text at the very first part of verse 4 that we talked about. Uh, the first part of verse 4 says, who comforts us in all our troubles. The last part of verse 3 talks about God being the God of all comfort. And then verse 4 begins by saying, who comforts us in all of our troubles. You see that word troubles there? In the original language of the New Testament, that's the Greek word thlipsis. We've talked about this before, thlipsis. And literally translated, it means to crush or to press. It's the idea of being squeezed. And that's what life does to us. That's what life sometimes does to me. There are times in my life when I feel like I'm in a vice and someone's turning it tighter and tighter and tighter on me. And when that happens, we don't need comfort food. We need a comfort faith. And listen, friends, that's what we've experienced when our faith and trust in God is so real that no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what we face, even the most difficult moments of life, we surrender to Him in trust, in faith and trust, all the time. Well, that, that's the first thing. We all need comfort from time to time. The second thing I think we can learn from this brief passage is this. Write this down somewhere next to a number two. We need to understand the what and the how of God's comfort. We need to understand the what and the how of God's comfort. And we'll start with the what. The what, of God, uh, the what of God's comfort. What is this comfort that comes from God? That's a valid question. Well, what do you think of when you think of the word comfort? I'm going to venture to guess that when you think of the word comfort, you think primarily about relief. I mean, if you feel like you're in a vice being pressed uh, and pressure is coming in every part of your life, then you want relief from that. You want life to lighten up a little bit. When we think of comfort, we primarily think about relief. We think about soothing, something that makes us feel better. And while the word Paul uses here in our text for comfort means that, it has that meaning, there's more to it than that. Because this word doesn't just mean comfort or soothing. It also has the meaning of encouragement and strength. The word Paul uses for comfort here in our text is the Greek word paraklesis. And as I just said, it means comfort in the sense of relief, but it also means strength. And so here's the simplest way to think about it. You might want to write this down. Here's the simplest way to think about this comfort that God gives to us. 
God doesn't give us comfort to console us. He gives us comfort to console us and to give us courage. God's comfort that he shares with us isn't about feeling better. It's about feeling better and feeling stronger. And here's why I say that. That word paraclesis that Paul uses for comfort in our text is very closely associated with another Greek word, the word paraclete, which literally means one who comes alongside to help. Now stay with me here because this is good. Jesus used this word paraclete, someone who comes alongside to help, to describe the Holy Spirit to the disciples in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16. This was at a time in Jesus' life where the, his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion was imminent. He was spending his last precious moments with his disciples. They were troubled. They knew something was happening, but they didn't understand it. And Jesus was trying to comfort them. And one of the ways he did, or one of the ways he provided that comfort was by talking about the coming Holy Spirit. But when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he used this word paraclete. Let me give you one example because that's all we have time for. In John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus said to the disciples, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. There's the word. That's the way it's translated in my NIV Bible. Another counselor to be with you forever. The word for counselor is paraclete. And when Jesus used that word, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be the counselor, the one who would come alongside of them by dwelling inside of them and not just provide them with comfort in the sense of relief or, or some kind of a soothing, but also strength. He would also provide them with strength. And so comfort is a reference to consolation, to soothing, to relief, and to courage. God's comfort is not just about relief. It's also about strength. That's the what of comfort. Let's talk for a minute about the how of comfort. Or in other words, how do we receive comfort from God? And the answer is really simple. We receive comfort from God by welcoming Him into every single part of our lives. That's how we do it. We turn to Him. We cry out to Him. We make room for Him continually, all the time. I mean, what, what do many people do when life beats them down? What do you do when you're discouraged, when life has been especially difficult, and you feel the pressure of life around you. Well, what most people do, and maybe what you do, is withdraw. That's kind of a, a, a natural instinct. A lot of the times we withdraw. But that's not what the Christian should do when trouble comes. The Christian needs to lean into God to receive the consolation and the courage that they need to go on. And that's another way to say to receive the comfort that they need to go on. And, and this is really an important part of developing that comfort faith, is you have this conviction, this resolute conviction that no matter how difficult life becomes, you're not going to withdraw. You're not going to isolate yourself. You're going to lean into God. You're going to turn to God and lean into Him and trust Him with all your heart because He'll be there for you. Uh, journalist and author Bob Green tells this following story in a book that he wrote that's called And You Should or excuse me, and you know you should be glad. The tagline is, a true story of lifelong friendship. This is what he writes. There are a handful of people during your lifetime who know you well enough to understand when the right thing to say is to say nothing at all. 
Those people, and there will be at most only a few of them, will be with you during your very worst times. And then he recounts this incident from his life. When during an already painful juncture in my life, my wife died. Can you even imagine that? How painful that would be to lose your spouse? I was so numb and that, and excuse me, I was so numb that I felt dead myself. In the hours after her death, as our children and I tried in vain to figure out what to do next, how to get from hour to hour, the phone must have been ringing, but I have no recollection of it. The next morning, one of those mornings when you awaken, blink to start the day, and then a dispiriting second later realize anew what has just happened, and you feel the boulder press you against the earth with such weight that you fear you will never be able to get up, the phone rang, and it was Jack. I didn't want to hear any voices, even his voice. I just wanted to cover myself with darkness. I knew he would be asking if there was anything he could do. What I should have known is that he had already done something. I'm in Chicago, he said. I misunderstood him. I thought he was offering to come to Chicago. I took the first flight this morning, he said. He had heard he had flown in. I know you probably don't want to see anyone, he said. That's all right. I've checked into a hotel and I'll just sit in the room in case you need me to do anything. I can do whatever you want, or I can do nothing. And he meant it. He knew the best thing he could do was to be present in the same town to tell me he was there. And he did just sit there. I assume he watched TV or did some work. But he waited until I gathered the strength to say I needed him. He helped me with things no man ever wants to need help with, mostly he sat with me and knew I did not require conversation, did not welcome chatter, did not need anything beyond the knowledge he was there. He brought food for my children, and by sharing in my silence, he got me through those days. Now listen, while that's not a perfect illustration, that's really the way it is when it comes to how we receive comfort from God. We recognize that he is always there. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. He never forsakes us. He's always there for us when we turn to him. He's always there to provide us comfort, the consolation and the courage, the relief and the strength that we need to keep moving forward in our lives. But when we withdraw and we isolate ourselves, we keep ourselves from receiving that comfort. He's the strength that we need, but we have to turn to him. I'm sure some of you who are watching this online are old enough to remember uh, a man named Derek Redman who uh, ran in the 1992 Olympics. He represented his home country of England. He was running the 400-meter race when early on he suffered a serious hamstring injury that caused him to pull up uh, and not be able to run the rest of the way. I want us to pause for a minute and take a, a brief look at the clip of what happened next. Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona coming up to the men's 400 meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. 
and inside of Lewis Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redmond of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running, which you have to respect. A bizarre finish to this first semifinal in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. throughout Olympic Stadium as Redmond with assistance this time approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. That is the Olympic spirit. That was Derek Redmond's father who came alongside of him. What, he, what his father did for him when he injured his hamstring in that race is exactly what the God of all comfort will do for us. And listen, it will always be enough to help us keep moving forward, even though there may be a lot of pain in that moment. It's interesting, I was reading a little bit about Derek Redmond this last week and I read this uh, little article that said once he was speaking somewhere and Afterwards, someone asked him this question, how do you become successful? And his answer was, you get up one more time than you've been knocked down. And friends, I'm here to tell you today from experience, and I know many of you had the same experience. Sometimes we get knocked down in this world so hard that we have to have the help of God to get up and keep moving forward. And that's what God gives. That's a part of this comfort that he promises to us. Well, there's a third truth from this text, and this is the final one we need to talk about. So again, if you're someone who's taking notes, write down next to three, uh, a number three somewhere, these words, to experience the full benefit of God's comfort, you have to pay it forward. To experience the full benefit of God's comfort, you have to pay it forward. Now, let's go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 all together before we just stopped at the first part of verse 4. This is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now, I hope that resonates in your hearts, friends, because this is so very important. 
When I read verses three and four together, I see the incredible heart of God because he's telling us through the pen of the Apostle Paul that the comfort we receive from him when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances is not supposed to end with us. It's supposed to be passed on to others. And here's what that means on the most practical level. I'm going to give you two things. First of all, when God comforts us through difficult times, he gives us enough comfort to give away. When God comforts us through difficult times, he gives us enough comfort to give away. So don't ever think, don't ever think you're lacking in the area of God's comfort. And if you feel that way, if you feel that God has not given you enough comfort, then I'm going to just be pretty bold for a second and say it's not because God has failed, it's because you have failed to lean into him, to embrace him, to be fully open to him and discomfort as you've gone through or as you're going through a difficult time. You failed to completely trust him. The second thing that it means for us on a practical level is this. One of the reasons why God allows us to go through difficult times is so we can take the comfort we receive from him and pay it forward. You know, over the years uh, here at this church and every church I've been at, I've spent a tremendous amount of time talking about that, that age-old question, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow suffering? It's one of those questions that regardless of how many answers you give, the question never goes away, it always remains. It's one of those questions that honestly, we probably can't fully answer this side of heaven because we simply don't have the capacity to understand the fullness of the sovereignty of God. We can't understand the mind of God about everything. We're, we're, we're finite, he's infinite. But I'm gonna tell you today that one of the answers to the question, why does God allow suffering? is that God allows us to go through difficult times to suffer so that we can take the comfort we receive from him and pay it forward. Several years ago, when I was still the pastor of a church in Oklahoma before I came to Mount Pleasant, I got a call one day while I was at work asking me if I might go to the hospital and visit a young couple whose daughter, the little girl was around 18 months old, whose little daughter was in the ICU fighting for her life. Now, I didn't know this couple. They didn't go to my church. The call came from a woman in our church who was a nurse in that ICU, and she said this young couple was there all by themselves, that there had been no one, no one who had come to support them, no family, no friends, no one. They were alone, they were young, and they were afraid. So I went to the hospital and I found them and I did my best to minister to them. And friends, this was an absolutely heartbreaking thing to see this little baby girl hooked up to so many different machines with tubes going everywhere. But for the next few days, every day, I stood next to her bed with them, I talked with them, I prayed with them, and I cried with them. And I did my best to connect with them. Well, sadly, their little girl didn't survive. She died. She was battling some mysterious infection that they just couldn't, the doctors just couldn't figure out and she lost her life. And so the next thing I did was I went with them to the local funeral home to make arrangements for her burial and I helped them put together a funeral service. When the service was over, we went to the cemetery for a gravesite. And when we got there and there was there weren't that many people who were a part of the graveside. 
But when we got there, uh, there was a young woman who was already there waiting in her car. I can remember asking the young couple if they knew who she was, and they said no, because she got out of her car and she started walk toward, walking toward us. When she got to us, she introduced our, herself to the mother and the father and to me, and then she turned all of her attention fully to the mother. Uh, and she gave her a small stuffed animal and a baby blanket. And she said, I'm sorry, I don't remember her exact words, but she basically said to this young mother who had just lost her little girl that she herself had lost a young child a few years ago. And now she reads the obituaries every day. And when she reads about the death of a child, she always brings the same gift to the graveside. Her visit wasn't very long, and it ended with her saying, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And it was extremely emotional because the young woman who brought the gift, she was crying. She was trying to say all these things through her tears. The parents were crying. It was a very emotional and moving moment. I didn't know that young woman. I've always believed in my mind that she's someone who, uh, when she lost her baby, received comfort from someone else and comfort from God and now she's making it her mission to pay it forward. Let me tell you something that I believe really, really strongly. I think this is something that a lot of people don't understand. When you are hurting, when you have been, and I'll go back and I'll use Paul's words that Andrew talked about last week, when you have been hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, when your life feels like it's been put in a vice and you feel pressure crushing your spirit, crushing the life out of you, you don't need someone to come along who will ignore the reality of your pain. When you are broken and wounded, you don't need someone to come along and act like your pain is not there, that it's not real. You need someone to come along who acknowledges your situation and allows you to feel whatever way you feel. And they understand that because they've been where you are. And that's at the heart of what Paul was saying to us when he wrote. This again is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You don't really experience the comfort of God until you pay it forward. So let me just close with these questions. Have you ever struggled in life? Have you ever experienced suffering? in your life? Have you ever felt lost or lonely or afraid? Do you have first-hand experience with grief? Do you know what it's like to struggle with depression and insecurity and other emotional issues? I could go on and on, but I'll stop right there. If your answer to any of those questions is yes, then I want you to know that the God of all comfort needs you to represent Him to be his gift of comfort, at least a portion of his gift of comfort, to people who are struggling with all those same issues and all those same needs. He needs you to do that because one of the ways you demonstrate the reality that you have a comfort faith is by showing up to comfort those in need 
with the comfort you have received from God. And when you do that, you live out the words of Paul in these verses we've talked about along with the final part of our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, that says, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. That's how it reads in my NIV Bible. Let me read it to you in the Good News Translation. Just as we have a share in Christ's many sufferings, so also through Christ we share in God's great help. Let's spread the help of God to the lives of other people who are in need. We weren't created to keep the expressions of grace that God pours into our lives. And that's what comfort is. It's an expression of God's grace. We weren't created to keep the expressions of grace that God pours into our lives all to ourselves. We were created to pay it forward and to share them with others. I want you to pray with me. Father, thank you for a chance to look at this brief but powerful passage of Scripture, and I pray that you apply it to our heart at the point of our need. I pray you bring comfort right now, relief and strength to people who are struggling. And I pray you bring conviction to people who have received your comfort, conviction to pay it forward in the lives of others. Help us to do that. Help us to develop and live by a comfort faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.